Pod. 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 Welcome back to Say Who Say Pod. Pod. He's Danny O'Neill. I'm Christian Capel. The Huskies did not cover against Tulsa. But that's because of how the game went. It was. I actually had a uh, I had a commenter um, on my picks last week say, oh, I think this is going to be a game they lead like 42-3, to and Tulsa scores a late touchdown to make it 42-10. to So he was, if not for the, uh, the swinging gate two-point conversion to the long snapper, that person would have nailed it dead on. So props to them. It... I did like seeing that happen. Like, I'm so sick of that play and having it never be used. I Like, if you're going to ru- run that out there, you should at least occasionally use it. And I feel like it's completely just something people do now without ever implementing it. So I, I did appreciate that. But when you saw what the score looked like early on and how the game was going, I was like, this is going to be a game where it's going to be tough for them to cover because they're... It's not even that you're going to coast. You're going to get to the reserves so quickly, and you're going to you're going to dial back the offense because you don't want to rub anyone's nose in it. I'll be interested to see if anyone studies. Nothing's stopping me from doing it, of course. But if anybody studies, like at season's end, um, how the clock rules affected Vegas, and if there were fewer like super lopsided lines, if there were fewer like thirty-five plus favorites, and you know, if there were fewer like heavy favorites covering those points, but my guess would be no, because I think Vegas is like so amazing at adjusting week to week. But I don't <laughs> know. Be, I I see those big so... point spreads, and I think yeah, you got to do that in fewer possessions now. There is such a <laughs> there are no depths to the level of degenerateness of degenerate gamblers. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna study. The impact of clock changes on lopsided games in which no one has any uncertainty about the actual outcome. It's just a matter of whether or not someone should ever bet on. Correct. Like, and that's that's probably. I'm interested in sports betting, but not involved in it at all. Like, I don't enjoy betting on sports. I don't really enjoy gambling. I like playing poker, but never for high enough stakes. And those games are the reason why, because you end up rooting for stuff that doesn't matter, like, and it becomes excessively important to you because what determines whether or not USC covers a 35 point spread doesn't have any out- impact on the outcome of the game, but it has a huge impact on whether or not you win your bet. The nihilistic perspective is that none of it matters, Danny. What's, why, what's, what's less important than, than, you know, sports to begin with and who you know, does it matter who wins the game? Does does the the ultimate victor of the football game matter more than the the point spread and the margin? Yes, yes, it does, and here's why: because every bet you make is made at some level with the premise that people on the field are trying as hard as they can, and and are, are going for a, a specific outcome. And once you get past the point of, okay, that person knows they're going to win, and now it's just a matter of like do they really want to run up their stats? Like that becomes an incentive though, like identifying the NBA players who are, who are really looking to stat pad. Like once you get into those levels of it, like there is a tangible difference between people trying to win and people trying to cover. I suppose that's fair. And yet if, if they make that field goal, they cover. <laughs> 
<laughs> Drop pass at the end of the first half. <laughs> they look great. I I have a uh, just as a little a little teaser because um, this episode will publish Thursday morning, and then I'll I'll publish this probably sometime Thursday afternoon. I do have what I think is a a pretty phenomenal gambling story um, related to my picks from last week. Uh, I am not the character in the gambling story, but my picks were used in a way that I think people will find very entertaining and uh, frankly, kind of, kind of unbelievable. So little, little, little teaser there. I'm looking forward to writing that one. Was it a parlay? It was. Because I don't want to skip ahead, but you had a pretty phenomenal week in terms of picks. I did. And the person, the character at the center of this story made those picks uh, in the state of Washington place that bet in the state of Washington and we'll see that one of my two losses this week was picking the Huskies to cover which you a couldn't game that bet this on. person could not pick <laughs> so a little bit more of a teaser there now you're on the hook now you want to know <laughs> I am uh, really I am really excited to hear exactly how that person sweated out Utah at Baylor yes that's so that's the crucial piece and there is a twist, um, but I won't, I won't give any more away. I hope... Uh, Just got to subscribe to onmontlake.com. That's right. I hope um, that, that Ian enjoyed his daughter's softball game. Didn't, didn't we do, sweat we do have an We do have an update. But you know what? With is the, is the, it on his question this week? It is. The we, steely, should, we should get right to it then, because I, I, the, I'm on pins and needles here. The steely-eyed sales assassin, Ian McFarland. If you need some help... Dialing up and and programming your sales team, or maybe some have somebody to to be implanted to to be to to be add to your sales team. You want to call ipmcfarland dot com. And Ian last week let us know that the La Cunada, uh girls softball all star doubleheader was coinciding with the University of Washington Tulsa tilt, and he was asking for advice on exactly how to do it and. Here is Ian with this week's It's Worth a Conversation. Danny, I want to thank you for the guidance last week around my daughter's fast pitch games. Um, I was able to focus intently and didn't bother checking the score. But that's because they were delayed by 45 minutes, and I was able to listen to the first 45 <laughs> minutes of the radio broadcast. and was pretty comfortable. Um, so I have no, no strength of will. I don't know how you did that, particularly during the Montana game. So bravo or not. Um, <laughs> also a family management question this weekend. Um, we get our first entree into the Big Ten television contract this weekend. We get to watch this game on the cock, which as a Southern California resident, I'm thrilled by because I actually get the cock, whereas ESPN has been blocked to me for the past couple weekends. So I really think I really hope you guys enjoyed Texas, Alabama. I did not get to watch it, which was lovely. Um, the question is, what do I do with my aging mother? She calls me every Saturday and says, what channel is the game on? I tell her the network. She asks me what channel that is. I explain to her that channels are different by locality and I don't have a damn clue what channel the game is on at her house. 
and that she'll have to use the guide button on her remote. When she asks, what is the cock and how do I watch the cock? I'm going to be very uncomfortable for a variety of reasons, but particularly because it would require a long explanation of streaming and subscriptions and not being afraid to share your credit card number with a multinational company. Um, how do I manage this? How do I prep her for this? How do I explain it in the moment? I, uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Go dogs. Can we use that? Is that, is that usable? That was like borderline NC 17 Ian. No, absolutely. You can use it. It's the name of their network. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't tell them to name it the cock. I didn't, I, I did not to say it by its rightful name. I, I, I did not, I did not indicate to them. That's what it has to be. I mean, there are hats with it. South Carolina makes a, makes a mint off of those hats. Uh, that's true. I realize that I'm not at the point yet, but I'm getting close to where I can see it, where I'm going to lose the thread on how to sort out all of the TV subscription deals. Like I used to think about like when I was a kid and the adults or the grownups couldn't navigate the VCR, switching all of the different things. And I've always been fairly competent. It's getting I, I can see the point where I'm going to I'm going to lose my hold on on technology. It's probably going to have to do with smart TVs, but um I don't know how you would explain to someone in their 70s that you need to sign up for NBC's streaming service The Cock to be able to watch a football game and that it's not on the NBC network proper. And then further when the the inevitable question comes up is why are they doing that? Why are why are they doing that, Christian? Well, because streaming's the future. Yes and no. It is the future, but that's in terms of the delivery. Is the future that you're going to have to subscribe to sixteen different services to watch all of your team's games? Like, is, is that what the future is? Because I feel like the people say, "Oh, streaming's the future." Yes, eventually, all of our television what we identify as tv now will be delivered by a high-speed internet connection it will be streaming but is this going to become like an a la carte thing where in order to watch my four teams that are my most favorite teams i'm going to need 16 separate freaking subscriptions well i could see a future where you bundle all of those services together and um a gentleman comes to your home with a box and that box allows you access to all of those channels and you pay a, a large corporation like Comcast or somebody something like, I don't know, $80 a month for the, the right to view all of those channels whenever you wish. It sounds like you're describing cable to me. Is that what you're describing? <laughs> that is what I'm describing. Yeah. So I don't know. How, I don't know how you do it uh, because I look in our house. We subscribe to Apple and mm -hmm. we I have Hulu for free through some Spotify promotion they were running a while back, but only mm -hmm. like the lowest tier. Okay. Um, pay for Netflix, which I'm starting to kind of, that's the one I'm looking at. Like, I don't know if we're getting the value out of this because yeah. I just don't, there are some of their original programming is okay. And they'll have some documentaries that are worth watching, but like their collection of movies is like someone took 
the never rented films off the blockbuster shelf and threw them all on Netflix. It's not, I can't imagine anybody watching any of them. Um, gosh, what else? We, so we have Peacock and I want maybe do a public service here. Peacock used to be offered free to Xfinity customers. If you had mm-hmm. Xfinity cable, you could get Peacock for free. That ended in either June or July. Um, and so I was under the impression we wouldn't have it anymore. We navigated to the app, um, and there's I'll, that, that that brings up another point I'll get to in a second that's more germane to Ian's question. Navigated to the app just to see, okay, because we like to watch The Office every night and fall asleep on the couch like adults do, and uh, we had it, and we were able had access to it. And I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense because I'm not paying for this yet, and I don't know if we're going to at all. I went and looked. Xfinity still offers Peacock for free to, I think, gig speed internet customers for some reason. Like if you purchase a high enough tier of internet from them, you can you still Wait. have Peacock for free. Are you serious? Yeah, maybe for two years or something like that. And there's a there's oh, a I'll there's a couple other little like caveats or whatever that like oh and these people get it for free too. So I go and check it out it, if you're not sure and you don't want to pay for Peacock necessarily. Look up. Who gets Peacock? Because if you have Xfinity, there is still a chance that you that you might have it. Um, to Ian's question, you don't need the Peacock app to watch Peacock. So you can pick up the TV remote. And Ian, I don't know what sort of cable or, or whatever uh, your mother has. You clearly don't have Comcast because you're without ESPN. But um, you, can, you can pick up the remote and speak, just say Peacock into it. And it will open Peacock like on your cable box and you don't need the the app or a smart tv necessarily so maybe that's a a simpler route but if if your mother needs to pay for it um that that opens up a whole other can of worms that you're going to have to navigate and i have i have little advice for you on that front i'm sorry you are not giving the advice to ian our steely-eyed sales assassin though you are giving the advice to ian to pass along to his mother Right. What are the odds that his mom is going to be able to operate a voice activated remote? I'm gonna I'm gonna give her more credit than that. You hold down one button and you talk. It's Dude, as simple as can be. I'm forty eight years old and I'm barely able to do the voice activated stuff with either Apple TV, which we have, or before that. I, I wouldn't use it with the whatever I, I think we were doing Roku before that, which had a voice activated thing. Couldn't figure it out with Roku. And it's as easy as can a, be. It, as easy old, as can be. Closer to three year old now. Daughter picked up the remote the other day and held down the button and said baseball. Not not a fair comparison, Christian, because <laughs> here's the thing that all of you people who don't remember life before the internet don't understand is that if you are like me and you remember life before the internet. I remember. The, do you really? I was 15 years old when we got internet installed in our home for the first time. Well, but that's but you knew about the internet before then. I did. I knew it was a series of tubes. So, I didn't have email when I went to college. Like I remember getting email once I got to college. When I graduated from college and began working at espn.com, which is a fairly significant website. Every Sunday, the entire website would freaking crash after the first round of football games and would be offline. ESPN.com would be offline for two, sometimes three hours because everybody was updating their, checking their fantasy football 
results and there'd just be too many users and the most visited website in the world would just crash for about three hours on a Sunday. So if you've gone through and been in that that sort of version of the world, things like just talking into your remote, not as intuitive as it is for your three-year-old. Like she's probably probably more technologically savvy in some respects than I am right now. She understands how screens work. She can mag- navigate menus. So I'm just going to say that I don't think your three-year-old daughter's understanding of technology is an accurate reflection of what we should be expecting from people such as myself or Ian's lovely mother. That's fair enough. And this may all be moot because maybe she doesn't have a, a voice-activated remote. Um, <laughs> another so another it, strong potential. I'm guessing this means Ian does not live locally relative to his mother no i believe ian's mother lives in washington and ian lives down in the in in god's country of southern california okay well i mean i think the the uh most feasible option might be just finding someone locally who can just go over there and and (laughs) if the concern if the concern is that high you know like i i i'm gonna give her more credit than than Ian is that he could walk her through it over the phone um, if it's if it's that important to watch Washington against Michigan State which I you know it's, it's a big game and he wanted have... to get the full Peacock experience too you know this is Can because we... this is the future they're joining the Big Ten this is going to be a part of their media deal going forward so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this very brief I am totally fine with a str- future of streaming media but. The fact that you can sort of, you should be able to a la carte choose what you want to buy. Like that, that should be sort of part of this of like, if we're going to have, you pay for the products you want. And instead, what is currently happening, and I hope this does not persist, is that you're forced to buy a lot of things you don't want to get everything that you want. And it sucks. Like, it's absolute trash. And the only reason is, is because all of these different, quote, television companies or whatever you want to call the broadcast entities are, like, all trying to scheme their way of, like, how can I get my biggest audience share? So for the University of Washington, it would be fairly straightforward. If you wanted to watch all Washington football, you would need to make sure that you have what used to be considered cable, right, that gives you Fox and ESPN. And the Pac-12 network. And that should pretty much cover it. But no, no, no. Now you also need the cock. Because they play a non-conference game against Michigan State. Like that sort of stuff is trash. Like you shouldn't have to buy something for one game. If all you want is University of Washington football, you should be able to just buy a University of Washington football package. I agree. Maybe someday. You know. Does it help? Does it help knowing they're probably going to be on Peacock? going into the few like at sure. least this is the the streaming service that's the the part of the media deal that they're they're joining it, next week it does next year. like y- yes it's not just a one off like you you're going to have to uh you you're going to have to get used to this extortion i also like as you were describing xfinity high speed internet giving you that like i was getting super excited because i was like hey like i don't have cable but i do have like a very high speed internet connection that i pay for and then i realized it's verizon Oh, bummer. Do you like Verizon? Uh, I have no complaints with my internet service. Like, my internet service is fairly kick-ass. So I have nothing bad to say about Verizon. But that's the only product of theirs that I use. 
I'm not sure there is an organization anywhere that hasn't like broken the law in some super egregious way uh, that I have more contempt for than Comcast. <laughs> that's because that's because they run your internet. Like they just have two hamsters that are running on treadmills to fuel the internet that is at your house. <laughs> I know it's just it never nothing ever works. When you want it to, when they come and do service upgrades and you can't work for three days, it's it's somehow worse after that. Uh, uh, I shouldn't, well, where I shouldn't we... say that too loud. I'm going to lose my connection here. Yeah, seriously, they're going to send you back to the Stone Ages. Like I used to believe that that should be a punishment that was handed down. Like if you were too big an idiot on the internet, that you just like be handed a civil punishment, like the. Whether it's the 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 local police department or somebody comes is like you're on dial up for two weeks. Like you've been such an egregious moron online that like you don't get high speed internet, and that's what's going to happen to you. They're going to throw you off. Should we talk about Tulsa or should we talk about Michigan State? Because there's a lot to talk about in both regards. We can touch on Tulsa briefly. Um, Anything at all about that game that concerns you? My biggest takeaway was that hey, Husky players kind of talked after that game like. This was a little bit of a dud of a non-conference performance. Um, you know, I I don't know if you remember the Georgia State game in 2014. Mm-hmm. They were down yep. 14 nothing at halftime. They won 42 to 14. But Chris Peterson just really the only time I can remember, frankly, um, kind of ripped them afterward. Just saying, like that that first half was just about the worst effort or or worst half of football mm-hmm. I've ever been associated with. This wasn't anywhere near no. that. Um, they, they dominated. They, yeah, they. I I included a link to a um a tweet from the account Stats of War, which uh does a great. He, he I believe it's it's the same person who runs the CFP graphs website. Um, does a good job with EPA and all those sorts sorts of things. And he had all of the week two games listed out uh by margin of success rate. So how successful were your plays versus how successful were your opponent's plays? And Washington had the largest margin in the country of anybody in week two. So, you know, the receivers, I think, were, again, excellent. It gets overshadowed by the fact that there were some drops. Romo Dunze dropped two passes. Obviously, Jalen McMillan dropped what would have been a touchdown. He fumbled on that same drive. It was such a strange drive to close the first half because it was like somebody's wide open on every – like, you can get 25 yards on every play here. They just need to catch the ball. Um, and it was kind of the ultimate example of, of them sort of being being the only – you know, Washington's receivers were the only people who could stop Washington's receivers on Saturday. So you leave some points on the board. There's a missed field goal. They extended a drive with a, a roughing the kicker penalty. You know, just a few little things. Edifu on Yulafoshio called it sloppy. Um, I think they felt like they just could have played tighter. But at the end of the day, it's a 43-10 to 10 win. It's never close. Tulsa's never in it. Um, Washington has them totally outclassed. Everybody knew that going in. And, and they win by 33 points. So I... I think it's just kind of take care of it and move on type of game for them. I don't know that it portends anything for the season necessarily. What what do you think? My only questions revolved around sort of availability for players next week and Dylan availability for player. Like my biggest question coming out of that is, are you going to see Dylan Johnson next week? Um, I really like the way Nixon's looked. I think he's looked like their best running back. I would expect him to get the majority of the carries against Michigan state. 
Uh, I don't know if we'll see Dylan Johnson or maybe he's going to need more time to, to heal up. Like the fact that he didn't play after not looking great against, against Boise, like that, that's really my only question. The rest of it was, could they have been sharper? Sure. I, I, I don't get into the style points thing though. Like you mentioned the Georgia state game. Like that was a, that was a bad showing by them even though they came back and responded the way you wanted to them like that first half was such a stinker that you're like what the hell is going on this game is completely unlike that like it was that was how that game should have gone i i don't i don't have any concerns about the way that washington played in there um yeah i know i thought they i thought they looked really good i thought their first two games have been about as the, any cons- like concerns? No, I don't have any concerns. There's still some questions that I have, like best running back, how good is the secondary really going to be? Like We'll see some of those things, but there's nothing that I felt has come up or I've looked at where I've been like, oh, I don't know. Like last year there was. <laughs> like I don't, This defense, like there's maybe it's not going to matter, but boy, I, I've, I've certainly got some reservations. I don't have anything like that this year. Yeah, it was I, Ryan Grubb talked on Monday, and I think he said – Look, you know, they had nine possessions, six touchdowns. They missed a field goal. They fumbled. They, they lost a fumble and, and panics through the interception looking at Odunze um, in the end zone. And you, know, you could easily say, like, those are correctable mistakes and they could have scored on every possession. But, like, is that is that really the ball? Like, is that really the standard all of a sudden for the offense that they should score a touchdown every single time they have the ball? I mean, I know that they expect to do that, but that's not going to happen. I feel like the the bar has been raised to a point where if they if they possess the ball and it doesn't end in a touchdown people are like really disappointed and feel like they squandered a chance how are they going to do when it gets hard right like that's that's kind of the question how is that offense going to be when it gets really hard and there's no way you were going to know that from the first two weeks i'm not sure how much you'll know it this week although i have especially when you look at the line the line's 16 points i know why that line's there like there's a lot of like that's i am I, i'm v- I think that this is going to be a very difficult game for Washington because I think given the things that are happening at Michigan State, I think you're going to see a pretty ferocious effort from the Spartans. Yeah, it could go either way. Um, I don't know because this this didn't strike me as a program that like handled adversity real well. Adversity. Last year, <laughs> um, they went 5-7. and seven. They had a bunch of, you know, they're like their best players transferring. Keon Coleman left. Peyton mm-hmm. Thorne left. Obviously, Jeremy Bernard left. Um, and that's college football and, you know, so on and so forth. But I don't know. They they responded to this awesome 2021 season with kind of a dud last year. Yep. I don't think that there's any reason to believe they've upgraded at quarterback. Um, they were really bad defensively last year. Maybe they're a little bit better on that side of the ball. But I don't know. I... I um, I never underestimate, you know, the remaining coach's ability to kind of rally the team and insulate them and all those sorts of things. But I I don't know that the reason their head coach is not going to be with them is the type of thing that people generally would be real inspired to galvanize around. But I also am not I'm not in that I'm not in that locker room. I don't know that program like that. So it's it's kind of hard to say. I know if you if you're Washington, that's what you're preparing for, right? Like you're preparing to go in and you know, I think what what definitely will happen is the the crowd and the fans will 
galvanize even more around the team, around the players, and and want to support them at a high level. So I think you can expect a really, you know, rowdy atmosphere and all those sorts of you know this is a chance for them to beat a top 10 team right like think back to last year that was a huge opportunity for Washington with Michigan State coming in there and they yep. weren't top 10 but top 15 or so um, and that was their big game and they had it circled and you know that was kind of how they could announce that that they'd arrived and coming off a dud of a season for Michigan State this is sort of a similar opportunity so I don't know it's um it's a it's a strange circumstance isn't it yeah um, I hope I'm wrong about this. I, 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 and I say that like, I hope I'm wrong about this. I think there's going to be a feeling at Michigan state that Mel Tucker is getting treated unfairly. Um, I think the fans and maybe even probably the coaches and maybe the players, like, I don't know that I'm not in that locker room. I, in the past, when you've seen schools that go through a situation like this, where, Mel Tucker and for people is currently he's he's suspended is he, he's suspended, suspended without, without pay. pay yeah after what is essentially a misconduct allegation but it's a title nine investigation is what the school has said that um, someone a woman who leads an anti-sexual harassment nonprofit uh, Brenda Tracy who is is someone who's been very active in uh working to educate I would say like college athletics specifically but just sort of culture in general against the the dangers of sexual violence has has said that that Mel Tucker um was inappropriate in some of the personal communications with her and then was explicitly like during a phone call pleasuring himself uh, she has said that her subsequent, a subsequent engagement that she had made, like where she was contracted or had agreed to come back and speak to the players. She had previously talked to Mel Tucker's team about these issues was then canceled. So there's now a title nine investigation. I don't think anyone expects Mel Tucker to ever coach again at Michigan state. Um, I, but there hasn't been a conclusion to that. The, the fact of this Title IX investigation was reported after last week's games. I believe it was on Sunday in USA Today. Um, I think my suspicion is going to be that there's going to be a significant feeling among the fan base at Michigan State that their coach is being treated unfairly. I hope I'm wrong about that. Um, but it is, an ex like what you said, Christian, it's an extremely strange situation to now have that coach he's he's not he's not going to be there certainly this week and i don't think we'll ever see him coach again at I, Michigan I say State. this only to to cover all our bases um but in his statement that he put out that mel tucker put out he claimed uh and i'll, I'll just quote from it well press reports have called this a title nine investigation that's inaccurate the university admitted there is no title nine jurisdiction so the investigation of my private life was relegated to an alleged policy violation so that that part's confusing to me um, for all intents and purposes. It doesn't really matter. He there was a complaint made against him that he he did this disgusting thing, allegedly, and and has been investigated for it for several months now. Um, I I think you're right. I mean, in, in any circumstance like this, like you're, there's going to be a faction of the locker room, maybe the coaching staff and certainly the fan base that uh, 
that that wants to rally around its coach. I wonder how popular he is there just generally coming off mm-hmm. of last year. Yeah. Um gosh, the contract extension they gave him never looked good. Um they they, they got blown out by Ohio State literally like the week that reports started leaking that they'd agreed to it and what 10 years 95 million or whatever um but it's never looked worse it's never looked worse than it does now yeah and so i I just i think there was already maybe some some sort of like uh we gave this guy all this money after one good year and then he went five and seven and then we lost our starting quarterback to the portal after spring practices and i don't lost your best receiver yeah, yeah. Who's like he's transferred you know, to F- Florida State and and balled out against yep. LSU. If you didn't already know Keon Coleman was really good, then you do now. So maybe there was already a little bit of consternation Could about be. like where's where's this program going? And oh my God, did we just box ourselves into this like you know financial hole because of this money we guaranteed this coach? And then this happens. I think that maybe you'll have even some of those people you refer to who'd be inclined to feel like oh they're doing you know wait for the facts this is unfair it's he said she said he denies it we don't know what happened blah 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 even people who might be inclined to think that way if they're already sort of on the like i'm not so sure about mel tucker just from for football reasons maybe this is just hey uh, you know I, i i'm a person who wants to believe my head coach but gosh mel this is just it's one more thing you know and at the any even if you're just the most ardent Mel Tucker supporter and you're going to take every word he says as gospel and just believe him outright, he he exhibited just tremendously poor judgment. And there's, there's no disputing that. There's no scenario in what he is accused of doing in which I look at it and say that, oh, I could I could see how this is sort of what he did is is okay or not grounds for firing him. Like, I, I honestly, it is really hard for me to see a scenario here in which I would, I would say that he should continue in his job at Michigan State as Michigan State head coach. Um, strict, and I guess this comes to, there's a, there's a basis in our criminal justice system for what it takes to charge someone with a crime or what what resu- what is either a preponderance of the evidence or beyond a reasonable doubt and like all of that fact finding stuff those are issues of either criminal or legal standards like the criteria for employment is different like the criteria for employment is fundamentally different and any sort of leeway that I would feel in that regard is diminished by the fact that college sports in large part are premised on the idea that the players aren't paid because they're getting guidance and, and sort of lessons and, and helping to become adults because of the instruction provided by the coaches who are paid. And, and given all of that, like it's, it's incredible. I, I, I can't even describe the level of, what scenario would you be where you're like, oh yeah, that's totally understandable that this guy who is married, Mel Tucker, says he's estranged from his wife for quite some time, ends up having some level of intimate relationship 
in his mind with someone who had been brought to his campus to educate his players on issues of sexual violence and treating women with sort of respect and dignity and at a very basic level, not committing crimes against them ends up doing this. Like the, the, the entire scenario, I'm just like, yeah, I, I can't imagine how you could continue as the head coach of that team. And, you know, you'd like to think that investigations and decisions and discipline would, would be carried out the way that, that it's supposed to be um, regardless of, of where you know what university a, a coach did this at, but the fact that it's Michigan State, um, I think puts even more of a spotlight on it, and just kind of the the history that they have with not handling um, misconduct in the the most productive or or proper way. Covering um, up from a serial sex offender who is the uh, a, a doctor there in Larry Nasser, yeah, that's probably at the backdrop yeah. of the standards that that institution is intimately familiar with the standards its employees should be held to when it comes to the health of student athletes. So I, it's uh, it is very difficult to envision that, that he would ever be on the sideline there again. Yeah. You, you bring up, and I could see, I could see, I, I want to divorce this from or separate this from the question of like sort of what the responsible sort of response is from, from people to, I how how a Michigan State fan might feel because I could totally see what you're saying of they've already gotten I don't know about this Mel Tucker guy and then this comes out and you're like absolutely get him out of here like you have to get him out of, and maybe that is going to be the the predominant feeling in the stadium maybe even among the team if that's the case you're going to have the players who go out to show that they're not the problem right that it was Mel Tucker that was the issue that that there is I I do think that whichever I think I think the University of Washington is going to be running into a pretty emotional buzzsaw early in that game, and if they jump out to a lead, I could see I could see Michigan State curling up and going away, like strictly from a football perspective. But I also I think this is going to be a pretty emotional start to the game. Yeah, I mean I think you already probably have a team full of players there, not all of them obviously, but who remember what happened in Seattle last year and take all of this off the table probably we're looking forward to this game as a chance to show that 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 wasn't really them and that yeah. they are capable of hanging with a washington program that's that's very similar to to the team that that dominated them last year so that was kind of what i was thinking about a week ago you know until this this totally changed the picture but um mark d'antonio being involved is interesting too wait what's d'antonio doing he's uh he's there now as like a what are they calling him? Associate head coach or or some sort of advisor? What's what's your feeling about him? I mean, I, anybody who gets Michigan State to the playoff has got to be yeah. a pretty damn good coach, right? Yes, especially doing it like they didn't get there because they just lucked into like a once in a generation quarterback. Like they did it playing their style. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a pretty. Yeah, I think. When he resi- he kind of resigned out of nowhere, right? It was like late in the cycle, and that was why there were so many hard feelings with Mel Tucker leaving Colorado was because it was it was late in the the coaching carousel had kind of passed, and you're not even thinking of that you might lose your head coach who's only been there a year, and um, there was some 
that was kind of drawn out too. It was like, is he going to go? Is he going to not? And he kind of said some things that implied he was going to stay, or maybe flat out said he was going to stay. I forget, but um, I do remember thinking like, okay, it, it does kind of feel like D'Antonio's time is up. And yeah. you know, I don't think he was ever like going to be fired there. But when he stepped down, I was like, yeah, it just feels like it's gone a little stale. But I mean, I think for the most part, he was awesome for them. He he certainly was. And coming in after, I mean, the idea of you're always going to be measured against Saban a little bit, right? And what Saban was able to accomplish there. Um, I thought he did. I've always thought of him as kind of this little Napoleon figure, though. And I don't know if that's because of how he looks. Like that he's this very, very uptight, small dude. Is he short? <laughs> I don't know. I just think of him as short. Well, like, the whole thing honestly... with Nap- Napoleon wasn't nearly as like short as history remembers him, right? Right. But that's how, and maybe some of this is because, like, do you remember when Harbaugh went at him? Which was really funny. Um, And kind of when I started to turn on and liking Harbaugh, when he was talking about their stormtrooper march that the players were making. Because there was was some sort of thing at a Michigan State-Michigan game where the Michigan State players locked arms and walked the length of the field and, like, pushed across a couple Michigan players that were on there. And... And and Harbaugh freaked out about it, talked about them doing, called it a stormtrooper march, um, and was specifically saying that D'Antoni, it's D'Antonio, right? No, D'Antonio. it's Antonio. I, I always get him mixed up with D'Antoni, too. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's D'Antonio. Mark D'Antonio and Mike D'Antoni. D'Antoni. Yes. Yeah. And Mark, Mark D'Antonio is, is free of apostrophes. <laughs> it's, a, it's fortunate for him, because those things will mess up your life. Uh, the, and then, and then there was a fight in the tunnel. I think, I think there was a fight between Michigan state and Michigan in the tunnel where yeah, like Harbaugh, season. yeah, Harbaugh wanted, Harbaugh wanted people charged. I think people were charged. Oh, were they? Yeah. It's always kind of strange when that happens. Like it's a football, but I guess there were helmets involved there where guys getting clonked in the head. Um, right. So I, I could see that. Yeah. I mean, certainly, certainly the ability to bring back. Mark D'Antonio helps provide a little bit of stability and maybe more stability than you would have at a at a school where the previous guy had been blown out or fired to be replaced by the hot new coaching prospect in Mel Tucker. But it's it's just hard to know how 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 exactly how much emotion are they going to get the players going to get from from getting out on the field after this week and how long will that be sustained? Um what do you think about Michigan State? They they knew about it. They knew about the well, I mean they were conducting the investigation back in July and they so, didn't suspend him until it became public. I believe what they have said and I think this is true is that if an employee is the subject of an investigation like this, his direct supervisor, the athletic director in this instance, would only be made aware that there was a complaint and would not be privy to the details of the complaint or of the investigation. Right. So, I mean, I do think, in, again, is this truly a Title IX investigation? Is it not? I, that's still unclear to me based on Mel Tucker's statement. Um, but if it is a Title IX investigation, I mean, under no circumstances should anybody other than the investigator and and potential witnesses be privy to any portion of that until it's complete. So... Um, and that's, I think they say that's trauma informed mm-hmm. that process. So I, I think they could have, and should have done a lot better job explaining that at the weird press conference they had on yeah. when, when what was that Sunday? But I, 
I kind of buy that, well, you know, look, we, we, all we knew is there was a complaint. And do you take action against your head football coach if that's the extent of your knowledge and you know it's still being investigated and that investigation will conclude and there will be a recommendation, there will be a hearing at some point? Um, I don't know. I'd be con- I certainly would be concerned. You know, if I were the athletic director thinking, well, there's a complaint, geez, what in the world is it? You know, but I I do think that they only learned the details when everybody else did, when USA Today published that story. Or at least yeah. I find that believable. Yeah, I I have a very similar reaction because I, I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, they should have suspended him the moment they knew of the investigation. And I mean, is that wrong? I don't think I don't think that those sort of decisions can be made simply on the fact that there has been a complaint made against someone. Like I think you have to have more than just the existence of of a complaint. The explanation as I listened to it from what I took away from it is that Michigan State said we knew there was a complaint but that was the extent of it. That's all that's all we knew. And then once the complaint once the story was published in USA Today, that was when in some cases the people who supervising Mel Tucker learned about the extent of the 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 details of the complaint. Not only that, but the publication of the story sort of changes the circumstances where they're like he he can't continue to be the head coach of our football team right now. Like, given what everybody knows. So it's not that, oh, it's only once people found out about the details and now we don't want him to be head coach. It was like, it was proceeding according to our university policies. Now that this story has been published, we can't sort of just wait for the investigation to, to play out. There's, it's it's it not feasible and in some senses, not fair to the players to continue having him coach, given that this is all everybody's going to be talking about. As long as he's here, he needs to be suspended. And I, I think what you said there is like finding it believable. Like that's an understandable approach to me. Like, I don't know what the best or the right or the wrong thing is, but I have a hard time saying like, oh my God, Michigan State completely screwed up by not suspending him the moment they knew there was a complaint. I, I, I feel like they've reacted to the, to the facts as they've seen them. And for reasons referenced earlier, with regard to Larry Nasser, I don't, I'm, I don't want to just default to giving Michigan State the benefit of the doubt. But I think there could be an element. You know, Brenda Tracy said she did not want her identity disclosed. She did not want this becoming public. Yeah. I think, um, I think the statement said that she was contacted by a reporter who, someone had told this reporter that Brenda Tracy was the complainant in, in this investigation. Um, and at that point, you know, she didn't, she didn't cover this. This is me assuming this is me guessing. I would guess she probably then thought, well, if it's going to come out, I should take as much control over this as I can. I'll provide the documents. So they have full context. Again, she didn't say that that's me. I could see how she could get there from that point. But if, if you're Michigan state and you immediately suspend a high-profile employee who has a complaint against them. While the investigation's ongoing, there's no resolution. Immediately, everybody's like, oh, what'd he do? What did he do? What did he do? What did he do? What's the investigation? Who are they talking to? What is this? 
And if the complainant does not want to be identified and does not want their, their identity out in the public, that's a really terrible way to ensure that you protect their privacy by just immediately taking, oh, here's a complaint. It's what? You're suspended. And, and I think that's – if you care about protecting the identity of someone coming forward with an allegation like that, like that is – that's not the way to do it. Because now everybody knows something's going on and, and people are going to find out. It's the decisions or the people who should be focused on. You used the, the, the term, was it victim-focused, trauma-focused? Trauma-informed, I think. Trauma-informed. The idea of who is the person that you should be most concerned about in this situation I find that that's the most useful thing to ask when wondering about like how should you handle it because the person whose feelings matter the most is the person who suffered the harm, right? Like whether it's a desire mm-hmm. for anonymity, whether it's sort of how things – like that's, that's the person who's, in my mind, whose thoughts and feelings matter the most is the person who was harmed. Um, and – sort of how you go forward from that. Cause I, I did wonder in, in reading the stories, um, people who, I think a lot of people know who Brenda Tracy is. Uh, she's someone who suffered, uh, was, a uh, she was, she was raped when she was at Oregon state and she's, she's talked about it and how you recover from a trauma like that. And also made it sort of her life's work to help educate schools, coaches, young men, about the dangers of sexual violence and the impact that that has and to, to sort of try to eliminate, reduce the amount of, of harm that women are subjected to. And I, I did find myself like, does she really want to be the person who's, who's identified? Like, because when those sort of stories get out, like that completely becomes lost in everyone's description of what does that person, what does the victim want? And if they don't want to be named or associated with it, they should have, in my mind, something like this. Like they should have that. They shouldn't be identified in public accounts of it. Um, but it gets really, really complicated. Um, and that's again where the difference between a criminal proceeding and sort of uh, a workplace issue and how reporting is. Like most newspapers have a policy; they don't name. They don't name people who are the victims of crimes. And there's a reason for that because that person should have the choice to remain anonymous if they want to and not have that be identified to them. Um, Chris Peterson had Brenda Tracy come talk to the Washington players in March of 2017, just for some additional context. She's been doing this for, for a number of years. There's nobody doing this work in college sports who's more prominent, I would say. So it's... um. Just a just an unfortunate circumstance all around. Yeah, I respect and admire her work a lot. And as someone who I, I covered a lot of the Jeremy Stevens stuff when Jeremy Stevens both was at the University of Washington and later when he was in the NFL, and and understanding sort of how these allegations or crimes against women used to be adjudicated or have been adjudicated in some cases still are adjudicated on campus is, is one of the most frightening and just horrifying 
facts. Like I remember reading through the entire police report, the investigation of Jeremy Stevens in that the the allegation of sexual assault where he wasn't charged and feeling just sick to my stomach that like, oh my God, like he and everybody responded to that when he was eligible, like when he wasn't charged that, okay, he was innocent and like innocent does not at all describe like his actions that night. And I hope we're getting better about those things. And it's in thanks in part to work of people like Brenda Tracy and Brenda Tracy specifically. The other story this weekend was, was it Lebby? I don't even know his first name. The offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. Mm, Yeah. Who had his father-in-law, who's Art Bryles, on the field after an Oklahoma game and kind of didn't understand why that was that was an issue to have Art Bryles running around on the field afterwards. I was like, what do what do people not understand about like what that dude did at Baylor is unconscionable. Like he sh- no, like he's not he's not allowed back in like polite college football society. <laughs> was, Oklahoma's I, athletic I, director seemed to make pretty clear that that uh, that expectation had been set ahead of time. That's insane to me. So how do you think? So Joe is it Joe Castiglione? Is that yeah. how you say it? I don't I don't want to butcher his name. And Venable said it as well. Like basically it sounded like Lebby was told, like, hey, if your father in law is at these games, he is not to come on the field. Like he's not to be he can be a fan. That's it. <laughs> and then Art Bryles after the game is running around on the field in, in Oklahoma gear. Yeah. You would think he wouldn't want to do like I don't know. You would think it, it, if there was the uh the proper penance or whatever. You know, if he really regretted his actions or or had held himself accountable in any way, you know, someone who had that kind of fall from grace, you'd think would have the approach of like, hey, I are you sure it's cool if I'm on the field? I don't want to cause any problems. I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to turn into a thing. I don't want to get you, you know, you'd think that he would have that attitude about it. Obviously, he doesn't. It seems to me and this happens and it's not just football or sports figures that are in this. But like when someone gets sent to bad man purgatory where we're like, okay, the things that you've done, like whether it is Joss Whedon and the way he treated uh, actors who worked or women, young women specifically that were part of his, his shows when he was a showrunner. And they they're like, okay, you can't you can't do what you used to do anymore because everybody thinks that you're an absolute horrific scumbag, whether or not you're criminally charged or not. Like you're just nobody wants you around. And periodically, these people kind of just poke their head out and like, okay, is everybody still mad at me? That's what it feels like. Bryles is doing is that periodically, like he takes a job or he talks to someone about being a consultant or he pops up on the field in Oklahoma and it's kind of like. Hey, I'm just checking the temperature to see if everybody's mad. And everybody's like, no, still a scumbag. Leave. Week three. Uh, right now, I am 11 and eight is what I have my overall record at after a five and five week. You are 12 and seven, a one game lead after an incredible eight and two week in which you got all Pac-12 games right except for the Huskies because of their drop touchdown pass and mixed missed field goal. And the the Utes, who were favored by, I think we had it at seven and a half and only won by seven. There was a moment, um, I I never thought Utah was going to cover the seven and a half in that fourth quarter. They were down by seven. It was, took quite a valiant effort for them just to win the game. But 
there was a moment when they were driving down seven where Ralph Russo, the college football writer for the Associated Press, tweeted, I bet Whittingham goes for two here if they score to try to to try to take a one point lead rather than tie and potentially go to overtime. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, if they do that and then get the ball back and score another touchdown, like at least that puts you in that puts you within one score, uh, you know, one play away from a miracle cover. So maybe they'll go for two, but they didn't go for two. They kicked the PAT, they tied it, uh, they got it back, and then they drove for the game-winning touchdown and, and won by seven. So, yeah, eight and two and came up a half point shy of a push in one game and, what, a point and a half shy Yeah, in, in the other? It was, so. pretty, it was a pretty phenomenal week. I would like to point out that um, it's absolutely f- bullshit that Texas Tech <laughs> there's, there's bullshit. <laughs> that that infuriated what me what a cover it was <laughs> a few God. of us were still working in the press box while that game was on and as soon as he caught the pick I was I just started yelling cover cover that's a cover yeah uh <laughs> I I was in the lobby of a hotel in Philadelphia when that interception was returned, and and I screamed MFR like I was because God the the feeling of going from Oregon potentially going to lose and how delicious that was going to be to then realizing they covered was extreme, and that is that it was it was an awful beat. <laughs> I know that that's not going to show up on anybody's screen, but that was that was an awful beat for me. It was the same. Well, they 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 almost did the same thing in Pullman last year. Remember, they had that crazy fourth quarter comeback, and it, like just the fact they were going to come back to win the game was pretty impressive. But then Cam Ward gets picked off on the little quick quick screen and returned for a pick six, and it's like, oh my god, Oregon's going to cover! What a miracle cover! And then Wazoo hits like a fifty yard pass to the one yard line with like ten seconds left or something, and scores a touchdown a meaningless touchdown as far as it pertains to the outcome of the game. Cause they were down by multiple scores at that point, but scores a touchdown for its own miracle cover in that game, which yeah, you, you don't, you don't turn Oregon games off, man. When there's any, when there's any chance they go, the, the, there's some, some pretty aggressive line movements. What do we, uh, we got what six games this week. We do. We, we do. I will. The last note is that was coming after. Cause what was it? Oregon. Wyoming's involved like Oregon had played Portland State and then Portland State played Wyoming last week and it was a fairly close like it wasn't a ridiculous margin at least when I saw the score and Wyoming had beaten Texas Tech the week before so if you're going on aggregate Washington should have beaten Texas Tech by more than 100 points and instead they almost (laughs) lost to him and then it had a miracle cover it was crap total crap. First game I have is San Diego State at Oregon State. OSU favored by 24 and a half. That's hefty. I It's a large margin. UCLA won by 25 in San Diego last they week. Certainly did. 35-10. And this is in Man, Corvallis. I kind of think the Beavers are on a mission and Ooh. I think their defense is pretty nasty. I think San Diego State is probably going to be a little demoralized they're they're not this is not the same competes with the best of the pac-12 san diego state team that maybe you've become accustomed to for a few years stretch there so i think uh i think oregon state's on a mission i think they get it done i don't think they're looking past this game to uh the showdown in pullman 
next week, which I expect to be between a couple of three and O teams. Uh, that'll be a fun one. I think, uh, I think they could use 24 or 24 and a half. I saw 24 and a half, but we can go 24, 24, no, whatever, whatever we, it's fine. 24. I think they cover the 24 and a half. I think they'll dominate. I think the Aztecs are going to come back. I think they're going to have a better showing. I think UCLA is pretty good. So I'm going to, I think the Beavers win, but I think the Aztecs cover. Fair enough. Washington at Michigan State. This one I have UW, UW giving 16 on the road on grass, which if you read on Montlake.com earlier this week, you know that this is, this is one of the potential sore spots for Kalen DeBoer and his Huskies, that grass has been particularly difficult. Yeah, so three covers in 11 games as the betting favorite on grass for the Huskies since 2017. They're three and eight against the spread when they're favored on grass. So uh, I'm going to take Michigan State to cover. I probably would. Um, I would have anyway. You know, forget about the uh, the events of the past week. I just think going on the road, there's going to be a little bit of adversity for Washington at some point. Something's not going to go right. There's going to be a turnover or someone's going to run a wrong route or, you know, the heaven forbid michael Penix jr might get sacked once um there's there's just there's going to be something that happens that introduces some doubt that gives michigan state some momentum that gives the crowd a little bit of juice and i think ultimately the better team is going to win and that washington is the better team um but gosh 16 and a half feels like an awful awful lot going on the road to play a big 10 team on grass it is a big amount of lumber i'm gonna side with you i think the spartans I think Washington wins, but I think it's going to be closer than 16 points. Hawaii at Oregon. The Ducks favored by 38 and a half. Oh, that's heavy. See, if they're willing to score 81 against Portland State, then they're that's correct. They're willing to go there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> ta- I'm gonna take Oregon. I'm gonna lay the wood. I'm gonna take Oregon to cover that. I think uh, watching Stanford win by a couple scores at Hawaii uh, tells you. The, the level of competition that should be expected in this game in Eugene. So I think uh how about I think it's gonna be a that? big old big old number for the Oregon Ducks. How about Stanford USC? That was brutal. Yeesh. That was You uh, saw it coming. I I thought it was a twenty nine point spread and they won by forty six. They scored forty nine points in the first half. Dude, they they've got so much speed on offense. It's not it's, fair. it's ridiculous. It's absurd. Prime time versus Colorado State. The Did Buffs favored by 23. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the Ducks. Sorry. Okay. I'm taking the Ducks to lay in the lumber. Prime time versus Colorado State. And he, actually, Dion was, was somewhat entertaining when he was asked about this. And he goes, I'm, I'm going to need some notes. Last week it was about Nebraska and the tradition, and now there's more tradition I need to learn about, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, Buffs favored by 23. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I think they cover. I think Colorado State's really bad. I, Wazoo, Wazoo won by, what, 26 on the road? Yes. yes. I don't know yeah. if Colorado's definitely better than Wazoo. I think those are, you know, be a competitive game when they get together. But uh, they got it rolling. And, yeah, I just I don't see Colorado State slowing them down offensively, and I don't see a lot of juice for the Rams uh, on their offense. So I'm, I'm going to take the Buffs to cover that. There is so far my belief that there was good, they were going to be a little a little lacking. Colorado was on both sides of the line. 
you haven't been able to see that in either of the first two games. Like there's been no sign of that. And you combine that with a coach who is not going to hesitate to, to put points up. Yeah. I'm going to take the buffs too. Like I really want to take the Rams. Cause I, I, I still think like six and six is about as good as it's going to get for Colorado this season. I, I don't imagine a situation where they're going to go eight and four, but they're going to beat Colorado state. Yeah, I'm. I'm honestly a little surprised this line isn't higher. I I, I would agree. I would is agree. Vegas it must trying be to cash on the belief that Colorado is going to come crashing down to earth. I, th- that's what I was going to say. Or there are a lot of people who, because they don't like Dion, are are sort of betting with their hearts that it's going to come crashing down. I I don't I don't have an explanation for why that line. It's the game's at Colorado. When I first saw the line, I was like, oh, is it at Colorado State? No, it's 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 at Folsom. Yeah, Fox just planted their crew there. They Fox moved its big noon kickoff. It's big noon, not the not the broadcast, not the game itself. That like Penn State still has like the nine a.m. game time slot, but they moved their big noon kickoff crew from that Penn State game to just stay in Colorado because they were there last week for the Nebraska game. So they're going to be there, and game day is going to be there. It's going to be a fight. It's so funny. And what the watching these try to grab the vapor trails of attention that Dion has generated is pretty hilarious. Um, I did. What do you think? It, did you see Dion's hoodie last week? I'm not sure if it was at the walkthrough or the 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 pregame. It said he's got a hoodie on that said "I ain't hard to find." Yeah, that's his. That's been his thing since day one. Uh, I I like the phrase. <laughs> did you I see feel his? Ba- his comment on the showdown, the big time, something about showdowns, and he was like, "It's like, well, you know, I played for the Dallas Cowboys. I've been a, I've been a part of some showdowns. Cowboys, 49ers, those were showdowns. Cowboys, Eagles. He's like, I had a couple of divorces. Those were showdowns too." <laughs> Dude, Dion's funny, man. Like it's it's strange to me that people have become so invested in the argument over whether De- that they're not enjoying the show. Like Dion is a fun show to watch, regardless of how you feel about him. He's fun and he's funny. Um, yeah, <laughs> divorces. Those were a couple of shows. To- like that's funny. Like yeah. that's hilarious. He's a funny guy. Uh, Arizona State versus Fresno State. Fresno State favored on the road by three. <laughs> yeah, I liked this better when it was they were only a one point favorite. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm I'm fading the Sun Devils until they yes, show sir. something. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I'm going with the I'm going with the mighty Tedfords and uh, they also, I also like their quarterback's name, Mikey Keen. Yeah. Would he? Does he sound? Does he play different because his name is Mikey? Like to me, Mike Keen would be a very immobile it would be a Joe Flacco like player. But Mikey Keene? Like Mikey Keene's got some wiggle to him. Yeah. He's uh doesn't doesn't really run. Um at least hasn't this year. His long rush is four yards. Uh and they did need double overtime to beat Eastern Washington. Um but they also won at Purdue. So I think Arizona State is worse than Purdue. <laughs> just a guess the transitive the transitive challenges are so difficult this time of year i yeah, just we just we know so little about these teams at this point other than arizona there's State's no past. there's there's no reason to think arizona state's any good at all 
Like there's no. there's no there is no reason to think about. It, it started with the we're going to take our bull ban before the season started, which is basically an announcement. We know we're going to suck and we're going to hopefully have a clean slate for next year. And everything that's happened since then tells you this team is trash. Yeah. Arizona versus UTEP. So UTEP at Arizona. Arizona favored by 18. The fighting fishes. They, they covered last week against the, the Bulldogs of Mississippi State, a mighty, mighty SEC team. Big old cover. Did you see that game? Uh, I did not see that one. They were covering, uh, I might have been down two scores early, I forget. But they were covering through the whole like second half, overtime. There you go. I, was, I will say, when Mississippi State got it first, because they were, Arizona was nine and a half point dogs, nine point dogs. When Mississippi State got the ball first in overtime and scored a touchdown, I did think if if ever there were a candidate to throw the rare overtime pick six, it's Jaden Delora. Oh. Like he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna dance around and try to make some miracle happen on fourth down, and he's gonna get a, a pick return for a touchdown, and they're gonna have the rare like two score loss in in overtime. In but overtime. It, didn't, it didn't happen. Uh, I eighteen eighteen. Hmm. Admittedly, I know very little about UTEP. Uh, although I think that's where Jacob Cowing came from, right? Oh, I don't know about that. I, I was going to say, like, the most recent references I could give you to UTEP is that's where Aaron Jones came from, right? The running back for the Green Bay Packers. And Mike Price once coached there. Yeah. Um, I, think, I, think, I think that's the extent of my UTEP knowledge. They lost at Jacksonville State. And uh, beat Incarnate Word twenty-eight to fourteen, and then got thumped at Northwestern. So I think Arizona can cover eighteen. <laughs> I'm taking uh, my my strategy is just to take every Pac-12 team to cover except for Arizona State. That's kind of how I bet last week. So, what division is Incarnate Word? They're FCS. Are they really? Mm-hmm. How long have they been FCS? Um, a few years. Like. That seems to me like a school. If you told me, like I was going to guess, I was going to guess Division Three. That's no, wild. they were. Um, that's where. That's where. Cam, uh, as, as as you so heavily mocked him, the Cam Ward came from. Yeah. No, I know. Like that's why it it doesn't sound like a real school. Like it sounds like a seminary is what it sounds like. Maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I wrote a rap song. It was me and a friend of mine wrote a rap song. Uh, in when we were in college, called the Devil Cone Carne. Instead of the devil incarnate. And uh, that's what I imagine. Like incarnate word. I always think of that. The devil concarne. Concarne word. With meat word. <laughs> I think we've got one if more. You waited th- if you wait, waited through this entire, entire podcast to get to that joke, I apologize. Because that's, that's <laughs> freaking terrible. Uh, I don't like betting on the fishes, but I cannot in good conscience... Uh, stake anything on the miners uh a team that's lost to jacksonville state and then squeaked out squeaked out a game against incarnate word and then who did they lose to uh northwestern yeah no you lose to the you lose to the hazers you lose to the hazers i'm not betting on you is that it i think that's the end this is a very a very weak uh slate i do wish there was a line on cal idaho though what do you think the line should be? I think it would be it would be uh, more favorable to the Vandals than people might assume. Yeah, because Cal's not going to score any points. Well, and Idaho's really good now. 
Oh, are they? Yeah, they're a preseason top five FCS team. Poor Idaho. Like, that's a school that has constantly been victimized because occasionally people get froggy over there and decide, like, we want to be in the top division. And then it just screws that program for 20 years. Like, that, that is the perfect program to be FCS or what used to be 1AA. They're number 10. Right? Like, like, that's the ideal scenario. Like, that, that should be a really good... And this, every, every once in a while, they get carried away and, and let someone talk them into, like, we need to move up a level. And every time, then they just get, they, they just get walloped at that level and decide they have to go back down. It's, it's, they, they need to be, they need to embrace who they are. How about the big sky this year? Goodness gracious. This is the FCS coaches poll this week. Montana State is number three. Sacramento State's number six. Weber State's number seven. Idaho's number 10. Montana is number 11. UC Davis is number sixteen. That's a that's a gauntlet. <laughs> How many games does does Jimmy Lake win against that that slate right there? <laughs> so there's that. I was going a different way, and I was like, "Do you think that they could get a better broadcast deal than the Pac-12 got?" <laughs> no. They should talk to Apple Plus. They hey, might the, be able to. They might be able to get more. George, just don't talk to Klyavkov because he's not going to help you out at all. Like that's no, well, it's very, very clear. Klyavkov got nothing for you, man. He was in Montana, so who knows? <laughs> what was he doing there? Talking to know. the Grizzlies about coming to the Tupac? That's just what the judge said during the hearing that he was in Montana, <laughs> but he was he was there on Zoom. So, what do you imagine I don't know. him doing if he's in Montana? Do you think he's like in some sort of fortress of solitude? Like, where did my life well, go wrong? <laughs> I believe he was in Montana. Or do you Montana think he's just sitting USC... back eat, eat, eating grapes? Like, <laughs> well, I'm going to get paid either way. I think he was in Montana when the USC UCLA news broke. <laughs> you think he wouldn't want to go back? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that's it. That just tends to be where he is instead of being somewhere where he could actually do something. That might be a tell. That might be an indication about his overall the the ability, the degree to which he has his finger on the pulse. Say who say pod has two hundred and twenty three ratings on Apple Podcasts, still holding on to that five star rating. A couple new reviews this week. Uh, one from Daniel Daniel one two three four five six seven eight nine one zero one 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 two. I assume that's a family name. Um, it says, of all the podcasts that are held together with duct tape and bailing wire, this one by far is the best. I listen to every one. Uh, CJBMT says, I look forward to this pod dropping every week. Danny and Christian's chemistry and dialogue and all things UW football. And giggles 83 times. Says, on Montlake and Say Who Say Pod have helped me feel closer to UW football than I have in years as a displaced fan. Thank you to everybody who's left reviews, um, you can join them easily. Click in the little field and type in some letters and tell us how great our show is. And rate it and tell your friends. And subscribe to onmontlake.com. Subscribe to the dang apostrophe. And we'll talk to you next week. This was brought to me by a mother of children.